Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Some of you are here and you're like, if you're like me, when I go to a, a church, I like to see what the sermon's going to be about. All right. And so if you if you looked at your bulletin, you just saw a little picture of, you know, some kids and World Vision. And you're like, where is the sermon insert? Like what's going on here? And some of you might even been tempted to walk out. All right. So I'm glad you're here. No one did that. But uh, this you're going to get this at the end of the service. After Chad is done, the greeters will be at the door to hand this to you that Chad will talk about. And there'll be some on the welcome home counter as well. So just keep that in mind. Hang tight, all right? Because we, you know, as I introduce Chad, I have the honor of introducing Chad here for a second. I was trying to find some dirt on you, man. In fact, I even emailed your team, and it probably was two last minute ones out of town. Just give me something. So I'm like, shoot, I'll just do the old school Google him. And holy smokes, like 28 pages about you. So, uh, we are honored to have Chad here today. Let me just give you just a little taste about him, and you'll see it real quickly. Um, he is the senior church advisor for World Vision. Uh, Tim, myself, Pastor Rick, have, yes, have known him for a while and feel like he's just part of our church families. He's, uh, you'll see, from husband to father to mentor to pastor to teacher to author to activator are some words to describe him storyteller. You're going to see his passion in just a moment. I call him a motivational speaker. That's what I see him as. Um, and inspiring. I know Pastor Rick and I had the privilege of going to another church that did this series for four weeks, and we were able just to see it all happen. And it's, it's amazing. We're going to get the same treat here. And it starts and launches with Chad. He grew up in Wisconsin. You a cheesehead? Wow. My wife is really happy, right? She's smiling right now, listening to the game. But anyways, um, drafted out of high school to play hockey in the USHL. They came to personal faith in Christ through a sports ministry and uh, started sharing Christ with others. And so uh, he got a communications degree, hence the reason why he's a motivational speaker. And uh, he began working with World Relief and Refugee Ministry. And uh, there's a, his whole story is you'll see the heart of the city. And so um, Chad's going to get up in just a moment, but uh, he wants me to read a passage for today. Is that correct? All right. And uh, so if you are following online, you could uh, go to Isaiah 58. Um, and, uh, and you'll also see that if this insert at the end, as Jared's telling me now, will be on our, our page, our homepage, on, our, on websites, so you can access that on, for both churches. But Isaiah 58, you're going to see it on the screen as well. Am I right on that? 58? We good? All right. You're making me nervous. Dude, it's over. Take a breath. It's good. This, they love you just as you are. But, um, so you're going to read this, and you're going to be like, whoa, wow. But he's going to anchor a couple verses. So will you stand for this reading today? And if you're at home, you don't have to stand sick because no, it's, unless you want to. Um, but I'm going to read just nine verses, not the whole chapter. Just hang with me. It's talking about true fasting, and it says, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. 
as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please you and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fasting or fast I have chosen only a day for people to humble themselves? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in a sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen um, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? It is not to share your food with the hungry. It is, an, it, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then, last verse, you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here, I, here, here am I, here am I. And if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious May the Lord add his blessing to this message today. Let's welcome Chad, a standing ovation. <laughs> yes, thank you. It is a delight to be back. I love being a part of what God is doing here at Horizon and Family Life Church. We welcome you. Thank you for joining us in the Lodi campus and everybody online. But God is doing a sweet work here, I love hearing about the, the mission vision. I love your pastor. I mean, 25 years of ministry here at Horizon. He is an epic leader, and your staff is amazing. It's so sweet to see and feel the love that you have for Jesus and the passion of worship, and you're welcoming uh, me as, as, uh, as like a, another member of the church from, from another mother, right? So it's great. It's great to be to be with you, and uh, I, I think this mic is going to be okay. Am I, am I holding it up correctly? Okay, that's good. Thank you, brother. So the, um, the joy of us being able to partner. Some of you have already partnered with World Vision. Super grateful for you. I know that uh, you've. Some of you have run for for water. You've done the global 6K. You've sponsored kids. You've you've had a chance to to. Uh, some men here in the room have actually played poker on behalf of World Vision. We, we did that. I, it, was, it was a while back, but uh, we had a chance to uh, uh, do, do a night of poker and, and raise money for clean water. So, so my name's Chad. As Kevin mentioned, uh, I'm married. i got four kids. Uh, I live in uh, Camarillo, California. I served as a pastor for about 20 years and about four years ago joined the ranks of, of World Vision and just love the, the opportunity to be good news to the most vulnerable children. Uh, you may not be aware of this, but every 10 seconds, a new person's getting clean water through World Vision. Every 11 seconds, someone's drinking living water, seeing, hearing the truth about Jesus, entering into a discipling relationship. And, and it's amazing to, to have a small part in what God's doing around the world. And, and we're going to do Chosen together. 
Horizon is one of the first churches in California, particularly Sacramento, the Bay Area, to have an opportunity uh, to do Chosen. You've heard a little bit about that last week. You'll hear more about it today and the coming weeks. But today I thought I'd start with a question, uh, a way to center us into this series. And the question is this. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you were chosen? And maybe you, you, you can think through that sports team that maybe you were selected to play on. Or, or maybe it was the band or the theater where you got to choose that part or you got to play in the band. Or, or maybe you were chosen uh, on that job. Like you, you, you worked hard on that interview and, and you got the job. Or maybe it was the promotion. You were chosen to, to get that promotion. Or maybe you, someone asked you out on the date. Or maybe you heard those words, you know, will you marry me? You know, have, have you ever had that moment in your life when you were chosen? Once is all you need, right? <laughs> when you were chosen, it feels really good to be chosen. Now, all of us can think about those times when we didn't get on the team and we didn't get the, the, the date or whatever, but, but it feels really good to be chosen. My son is... Uh, uh, studying at Cal Poly as an engineer, he was chosen for an internship at SpaceX last week. And, and he, I think he grew like six inches. Like he just, just rose up because he was selected among all others to be chosen. One of, my, one of my best moments of being chosen came when I was 17 years old. And as uh, Kevin mentioned, I grew up in Wisconsin. And in Wisconsin, you play hockey. And in Minnesota, you play hockey. We don't, we don't do that quite as much in California. But I grew up playing hockey. And, and I was playing hockey and, and, uh, in high school. And I, I, I tried out for Select 17. And that's, that's the team that's in preparation for the Olympics. It's a national team that the Olympics are going to happen next month. And then you have the Olympics and you have the Junior Olympics. And then you have Select 18, Select 17. So I... I wanted to try out to, to play for the national team for my age group for the United States. And what happens is you, you go through a series of tryouts, and then there's this development camp, and then you get to play in this tournament, this international tournament. So, so as, a, as a young uh, hockey player in Wisconsin, I, I did the, the local tryout, and then I did another local tryout. Then I did the state tryout, and I, I got this letter in the mail. And... I, I can remember it to this day. I open up the letter and it said, you have been chosen. You have been selected. One of three athletes in the state of Wisconsin to come to the United States Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado for one week to train as a potential Olympic athlete. And I almost dropped to the floor. I was like, no way. I got chosen. I was selected, all the training, all the tryouts, and now I get a chance. And I remember going, driving over to Colorado Springs and seeing the Olympic rings and, and, and just being overwhelmed like this is real and going up to the security office and, and they gave me a badge like the Olympic Training Center had my name on it and gave me a t-shirt said elite of the elite and, and then I walked in and I saw my, my dorm room and then I went into the cafeteria and started meeting other Olympic athletes, some of the weightlifters and some of the boxers and, and then I, I got this sinking feeling I really don't belong here like someone made a mistake I am not good enough to play at this level. 
And, and then at practice the next morning as I got on the ice, those same thoughts stayed in my mind. I'm not good enough. I, 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 maybe somebody made a mistake. Like I can think of a lot of other athletes that probably are better than me that should be here. And, and those thoughts came into my playing, and I didn't play very well that first day. In fact, I played tentatively. I played scared. I was going into the corner, and I went pretty slow. I got hit from behind, and I got injured. And I missed the rest of the week. And I didn't make the team because I didn't believe that I was chosen. I received the letter. I was at the training camp. I had the ID. I, I had the T-shirt. But I didn't believe that I was good enough. I, I didn't believe that, that I had what it takes. I didn't believe that I was chosen. And therefore, I missed this epic opportunity to potentially play for our country. And, and I learned a, a lesson that day. That has carried me to this day. Now, I couldn't articulate it like I'm going to articulate it today, then, but the lesson is this that we can never live beyond our own self perception. That, that if we see ourselves as not good enough, then we're not going to play that well. If we see ourselves as, as, as not very smart, then you're not going to do very well on the test in your school. If you don't think that you can get the promotion, then you probably are not going to get that promotion. You can never live beyond your, your own self-perception. If you see yourself as a terrible, no good, very bad person, then that's how you're going to live. But if you see yourself as God sees you, as chosen, holy, dearly loved children of God, then you'll live an extraordinary life. And that's why we're doing this series. That's why we want to engage in this teaching over the next few weeks. Because oftentimes we hear God's word, but we don't believe it. We hear God's word that we're, that we're chosen or we're holy or that we're loved, but we don't live like it. We play scared. We, we play tentative in life, and we miss opportunities that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So in the next three weeks, we're going to have three teachings and three experiences. You know, you know, Pastor Tim kicked off the, the series last week and, and we talked and he talked about, you know, one guy that was sort of finding his identity and in, in his wealth and, and realizing that's not the purpose of wealth. And over the next three weeks, we're we're gonna hear from uh, Peter Mutabazi. He'll be here next week. You will not want to miss. Invite your friends, your family, your enemies, just just come. Those of you online, you'll hear his story and you'll have an opportunity to be chosen the next week. Uh, the week after that, uh, Rick will be elaborating on our identity in Christ. But, but this week, we want to center in on a passage of Scripture because there were this group of people that were chosen. They, they were chosen by God. They were holy, dearly loved children of God, but they did not live like it. 
they, they drifted away. They, they didn't center their lives. They experienced difficult circumstances. They were living in exile. They were trying to do the right thing, but they were not connecting with God. And God speaks to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And Kevin read the passage, but I'd love for you to turn there if you have your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. Because in Isaiah chapter 58, you see God's people, they're, they're chosen, holy, dearly loved children of God. They, they've already been, uh, you know, they already rescued out of slavery in the promised land. God is, is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are, these are his people. But, but they're not living as his people, and God speaks to them. He speaks to them in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. He says this, shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins, for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Do you notice what God's people are doing? They're actually doing some pretty good things. Uh, look, look at what they're doing. They're, they're seeking me out. They're praying and asking for just decisions. Seeking me out meaning there's, they're, they're doing their prayers. They're, they're, they're in the sacrificing. They're, they're, they're going to worship services. And in their personal life, they're, they're asking for just decisions. And they're even fasting. Now remember, these are my people. This is the house of Jacob. This is the nation of Israel. That they're in exile, but, but, but they're doing some good things. They're, they're trying to follow God's ways. And they're, they're, they're even fasting, but they're not connecting. They're not connecting with God. God even describes it as rebellion. And their actions reveal their beliefs. Because God's people fell into the trap that sometimes we fall into. They started thinking that if I just show up for worship, you know, if I just pray my prayers, if I, if I just keep my nose clean, you know, if I don't drink smoke or chew or date girls that do, you know, you know if, I, if I just be a good person, you know, if I just do these, these, these things, then God will like me and he'll answer my prayers. And God's people were going through the motions. They were showing up for worship. They were checking the box, but their hearts were not engaged. And their minds were not reflecting on the truth. And Isaiah rebukes them. In verse 4, he says this, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. You can't fast, you can't worship, you can't sing. 
you can't keep doing what you're doing today and expect your prayers to go past the ceiling. You're going to have to try something new. You're going to have to change your behavior. In order to live and connect with God, in order to live as, as chosen, holy, dearly loved children of God, you're going to have to do something different. And what does God invite his people to do? To fast. To, to, to fast. And, and, and it's a different kind of fast. Isaiah calls it the true fast. He says, is this the kind of fast I have chosen only for a day, a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? And then he says, this is the fast. I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them, and, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. It's the true fast. Now, I, I don't know your experience in, in fasting, but, but, but maybe some of you have fasted from food or you've, you've fasted, and, and you're familiar with fasting. You've, you've attempted fasting. You maybe have, have gone a, a day or maybe a couple days without water or food or, or, or you fasted, or, or, or maybe you, you've never fasted. You've never tried this spiritual discipline, and, and you've seen it sort of for, for someone else to do. Where, wherever you're at on this spectrum of understanding what fasting is, God's invitation is for all of us to go a little deeper. To, to go a little deeper and lean into his word and into this experience to better connect with him. Because I, I see three, at least three distinctives to this true fast found in Isaiah 58. Uh, the, the first distinctive is that it's, it's costly. That the Isaiah, the Isaiah 58 fast is, is costly. Because listen, it, it, he, he says in verse 3, he says, you know, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Can you imagine God's people exploiting workers? But that's what was happening. They, 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 he, God's people were, were forcing their their employees to work long hours and, and with little pay and maybe unsafe hours. And, and God says to them, hey, treat people fairly. Un untie the yoke. Loose the chains of injustice. Set the oppressed free. Don't exploit your workers. Pay people fairly. Treat people justly. As I mentioned, I, I served as a pastor previously before joining the ranks of, of World Vision. And I had a chance to, to share this message with the congregation that I led. And, and a member of the church came up afterward. And, and he happened to be a, a, a VP of a large company. And, and he says, oh, I know that we've exploited our workers. He says, we're a global company. We're around the world. And, 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 and I know that I've benefited from how we've exploited our global partners and I know I need to change that. I, and I know I can. But then he asked me this question at a personal level. 
but how much should I give up from, from my own wealth that I know that I've gained by doing this? And, and I quickly responded, till it hurts. Because that's the nature of fasting. It costs you something. You sacrifice something good for yourself for something better for someone else. See, that's the invitation. It's, it's a costly in, invitation. It's, it's going to cost you something to participate in this Isaiah 58 fast, but it's also active. This is, this is not the fast where you go into the woods and you, you're, you're alone and, and you go without a meal. What, what he says is, is an active word. Loose the chains, untie the cords, set the oppressed free, share your food, provide for the poor wanderer. When you see the naked, to clothe them. It's active. It's not alone in the woods. And, and it's not just a one-time action. It's this present, continuous action where, where, where you continually participate in, in a daily commitment to those that are hurting and are hungry. Isaiah says it best in, in verse 10. He says, if you spend your money on behalf of the poor or the hungry, if, if, you, if you spend your time, no, if you... If you give of yourself, if you make it personal, if you give of your mind and your will and your emotions and your resources and you give your heart, that's the invitation. And that's this third distinctive of the Isaiah 58 fast. It's not just costly, it's not active, but it's, it's personal. It's I'm giving of myself, not just of the resources, but I'm, I'm giving of, of myself. And Isaiah says it this way. He says, share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe him. And the picture that Isaiah is painting is that around a dinner table. At a dinner table, you know, there's fellowship, there's community, there's, there's joy there's nutrition. And, and, and the picture there is when you share it, like when you, when you pass the plate to the person at the other, other side of the table. It, it's not checking the box. It's making it personal. Like I'm inviting you into my family. I'm inviting you into my space. When, when you provide the poor wanderer with shelter, it was common in that time when someone entered your village to let that person into your home to, to sleep. And, and if you see someone naked, you... You take the shirt off your back and you it's personal. It's an invitation to, to go beyond yourself for the sake of someone else, but not just in some obscure way, but in a very intimate and personal way. I remember when I first learned about child sponsorship, I was a freshman in college. And I was new to faith, and I was new to the college. It was the first week, and it was during dorm orientation. And I remember a, an upperclassman stood up, and he started talking about how kids don't have access to clean water, and they don't have a chance to go to school. And for like $39 a month, you know, you can sponsor a child. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, this guy's got the wrong audience. Like, I'm just some poor college kid. You know, there's no way I can help some other kid around the world. And... And, uh, and then I had this, this second thought. Uh, you know, I've kind of been sponsored. 
like I got, I got a scholarship, I got some grants, and I was able to work over the summer to pay for school. And, and then I had this third thought, you know, I wonder if I pick up another shift in food service that I could pay for some kid to go to school while I'm paying for my own education. And that's when I welcomed Nelson Emilio Rodriguez into my life. And, and, and I got a picture of him, and he's from Peru, and I, I, I learned some of his interests. And, and all of a sudden, poverty became personal. Global poverty wasn't this thing where billions of people don't have access to clean water, but, but it was in, in, in the face of, of a child. And then I started building this relationship with him over the years and saw him grow in his education and his interests. And, and I was changed. I was transformed. I became more generous. I became more grateful. I became more alive because of my relationship with Nelson. That's what happens. And maybe many of you have had a similar experience where, where, you, where it becomes personal. Where you engage and it's costly and, and, and you engage because you're active in your faith for the sake of, of someone else. See, that's the Isaiah 58 fast. It's not out of obligation but appreciation. Or, or even better, it's not out of obligation but adoration. Jesus, you've done so much for me. You've provided, you've, you've made a way to forgive me of my sins and, and lead me to life everlasting. You, you've become personal, my personal Savior. And now I can actively engage in, in your love for the world because that's what Jesus says in, in Isaiah, or I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 25, quoting Isaiah 58. Jesus said these words that are a bit more familiar. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus says, I was hungry, and you didn't walk past me. I was thirsty. And you didn't ignore me. You walked for water. I was a stranger. You didn't reject me as a foreigner. I needed clothes, and, and you took the clothes off your back to provide for me. See, when we make it personal, we meet Jesus. That's the beauty of the Isaiah 58 fast, when we, when we make it personal, when we, when we go beyond ourselves, we, we experience the, the power and presence of Christ in our lives. And that's what we want to do over the next three weeks. More specifically, the next six days. We're inviting everyone to take the Matthew 25 challenge. And, and it's an invitation that some of you may have heard about before. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but we're inviting you to take a, a, a little bit of the Isaiah true fast and integrate it into this Matthew 25 challenge where you're going to meet some, some real kids that have real needs for water and food and shelter. And you're going to have an opportunity to hear their stories and an opportunity to sacrifice something that you enjoy to soften your heart to God's word so that we can believe it and live it out. 
And, and instead of just passing by the global poor, we're going to pause long enough to listen. And so I just want to introduce the challenge through this short video and then ask each of you to join me in taking the Matthew 25 challenge. But let's check out this video now. Then the king would say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The Matthew 25 challenge was a transformational moment for my family and I. There's one particular day when the challenge was to sleep on the floor. And I walked by my daughter's room. And she was already there on her sleeping bag, reading her Bible. The Matthew 25 challenge was an incredibly spiritual experience for me personally. God was teaching us different things every day and sharing it with each other was really exciting. Well, when it came to the Water Day challenge, three words come to mind, caffeine, withdrawal, headaches. Going without coffee all day was a lot harder than I thought. I would get these headaches, but every time I did, it would remind me of the six kilometer walk that women and children have to do to get unclean water. My first thought was, this'll be easy. I grew up missing meals and sleeping on the floor, but my daughters, not so much. They were challenged to come out of their Wi-Fi life and actually experience what kids around the world experience every single day. So if you have your phones, I'd love for you to pull them out right now. If you have your phones, for those of you in the room, those of you online, we'd love for you to pull out your phones. And it's really simple to take the Matthew 25 challenge. In fact, your, the staff and the elders here at the church have already opted in. So this is a, an invitation for everybody, for the children for the adults, for the married, for the singles, for your neighbors, for your friends, to, for your small group to, to take this challenge together, to be unified as a church and experience the teachings of Jesus in a fresh way. All you have to do is text Horizon M25 to the number 56170. So you type in 56170, and in the message, you put Horizon M25, which stands for Matthew 25, and then you will opt in, and there'll be a few little steps that you take. There's no solicitation. They're not going to take your information and, and text you for the rest of your life. It's just for the next six days. That's all it lasts. It's a six-day text challenge where out of each day you have, I was, thir I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, and then there's an opportunity to fast, to, to only drink water, to 
then I'll, I'll leave some of the other ones for you to experience on your own. But it's an invitation to go deeper, to have a taste of the true fast of Isaiah 58 and go deeper into the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. In fact, for you families, there's a family devotional that you can do with your children or your grandchildren. So when you sit at the table at dinner, you can talk about some of the things that you're experiencing, some of the stories that you're hearing, and you can let in God's concern for the most vulnerable and, and, and experience in a, in a fresh way this invitation to live out the Isaiah fast because this is what's going to happen to you according to the scriptures. This is what's going to happen to us at Horizon and, and in, at uh, Family Life and, and in Lodi. This is, this is the opportunity. This is what God wants to do in you as you step into the true fast. This is what happens according to the scriptures. If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, that's verse 10. If you spend yourself, if you give yourself on behalf of the hungry, then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Maybe it's a healing of your identity. Maybe it's a healing in, in your soul or, or in your physical body. But, but as you enter into this, this fast, you're going to experience healing. Then the Lord will guide you when always you'll hear his voice. You'll, you'll, he will satisfy your need in a scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. When you get up in the morning, there'll be, a, there'll be some strength to your body as a result of you following his word. And when you call, the Lord will answer you. When you cry for help, he will say, here am I. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I've got good plans for you. You'll, you'll experience his presence as you sacrifice for, for someone else. If, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, according to Isaiah in verse 12, you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets of dwelling. You'll receive a new identity, an identity rooted in the scriptures. And then you will find your joy in the Lord and the feast and the inheritance of your father Jacob. You'll be reunited to your identity in the family of God where there's this feast full of joy. Jesus describes it later as the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's the invitation. That's the opportunity. And that's our desire for the next three weeks, that you return to your identity as chosen, holy, dearly loved children of God because we can never live beyond our own self-perception. And the more that we begin to see ourselves as God sees us, the more our lives will be alive and, and, and experience, and, and experience the, the power of God in our lives, characterized by joy, characterized by strength. I, I don't know if any of you have enjoyed um, the Matrix trilogy. Anybody, anybody out there enjoy the Matrix? Okay, I see those hands. So, so the first one's always the best one, isn't it? So the first film back in, I think it was 99, if I'm remembering correctly, there's this great scene that I'd like to, to close with. It's the scene where uh, Neo is in the subway and the agents, one agent is going to basically beat him up, wants to kill him, right? 
and, and the picture that I have to remind you is the agent, uh, you can't see him right there. He's got the tie on and, and he's got the glasses. Um, but, but Neo's standing right here. And Trinity has just left the subway. That's his, his sidekick in this little scene. And she's left the subway. And, and then she's there with Morpheus and the, the leader of the group. And, and they, they see Neo. And I'll, just because it's a, not showing up very well. Um, they see Neo and they instantly say, run, Neo, run. And he doesn't run. He stays in the subway. And then he faces the agent and they start to fight and there's this battle that's going on and, and he's throwing them around and he's losing the fight and, he, the, you know, he's coughing up blood and, and he's, he's about to, to die. He's going to get run over by a train, and the agent this whole time is calling him Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. And then right at the, at the scene, he, he, he kind of gets the agent off of him, and he says, my name is Neo. And he, he had this moment of his identity. In fact, uh, Morpheus and, and, and Trinity were asking, you know, why is he not running? And Morpheus answers, because he's starting to believe. He's starting to believe his identity. He's starting to fight and eventually become the hero of the story. And that's what this week is. It's the beginning to start to believe, maybe in a fresh way or maybe for the first time, that you have an identity of being chosen and holy and dearly loved. But, but in order to experience that, you, you're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable. You're going to have to sacrifice some things over the next six days. But then you're going to hear some truths next week through Peter Mutabazi. And then you're going to hear some more truths through Pastor Rick. And, and at the end of this series, we're hoping that you'll be entering into life with, with more energy and passion because you know who you are. So, God, I thank you for this time that we can spend in your word. I, I thank you for this moment where we can experience the truths of who we are in a fresh way. And Lord, as we think about Isaiah 58 and Matthew chapter 25, let them not just be words that we hear, but actions that we take, that we live out this true fast, that we engage more deeply into your word, and that we leave changed with a deeper understanding of who we are and your love for the world and your love for us. So, Holy Spirit, we just offer up our hearts and our minds and ask you that you would, you would transform us in this moment. For your name's sake and for the sake of the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you're leaving today, you're going to receive a little card. And it's also at the welcome table. And the card gives you the instructions for taking the Matthew chapter or the Matthew 25 challenge. Now, for those of you that aren't as familiar with texting or uncomfortable with texting, there's a way to get emails as well. And uh, the email uh, is right on here. Don't text the entire week. You can, you can do the Matthew 25 challenge via email. So you, you're, you're not going to want to miss that. And even if you don't want to do that, the the, the the challenges are right here. But the challenge with this is that you won't be able to um, hear the stories. There's some great stories that you hear if you only do 
the paper. But as you're leaving, take this, and then we'll see you next week. God bless you.